0: We bless you, Lord Jesus. We praise your name tonight. Thank you for the privilege to be able to come before you. To gather in the assembly of the saints, to worship you, to bless your name. To exalt you. We thank you for a time of refreshing from your presence. Thank you, Lord God, as we guide our discussion tonight. We worship you, we bless you, we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Please take your seats. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Praise God. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. So, tonight we are going to begin to unpack the practical elements of our study in the book of Ephesians, as we did all last week. That theme was being seated with Christ in heavenly places, and in the message itself we covered several areas. Uh, We said that Paul put the message, put the book together in a very practical way by dividing it into two portions. The first part identifies or helps us to understand our position in Christ, our union with him. And the second part goes on to help us to understand our responsibility as a result of that position. Now, if the grace, if the adherents of the grace message have any criticism or if, there, if there's any uh, thing that can be said about the entire movement, it's that people have the misconception that because we are living under grace, that there's no responsibility on our part, that we shouldn't pray, we shouldn't study the word, after all God has done everything, there's nothing else for you to do. There is nothing that can be further from the truth than that. That is a straight lie from the pit of hell. And the reason that lie is perpetrated is to make, is to discourage many more people from embracing the message, amen? Now. If you were here all last week, or if you've read the book of Ephesians very carefully, Paul laid it out very, very powerfully. Yes, the first part helps us to understand who we are in Christ Jesus, what he has accomplished for us, and what he's doing to guarantee what he has done. But the second part makes it absolutely clear that there's a responsibility that goes along with the union and the position. Absolutely, and so, so I don't want anybody to have that misconception or misunderstanding. So the first part talks about our union, our position. The second part talks about our life in the world. And in dealing with the life in the world, it also identifies or helps us to understand that we, have, we should have a particular attitude towards the enemy. So three key words we've been studying. Sit, which means we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Walk, which is from Ephesians chapter four verse one, walking worthy of the vocation of the calling where we've been called. So clear, very clear. He said we should walk in a particular way because of what God has done. And then a the third one is what stand from Ephesians chapter six verse eleven, where the Bible says we should put on the whole armor of God so we can be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. So tonight, what I want us to address tonight, what I want to just talk about and then open for discussion is the element of how we make godly decisions as men and women who are positioned, seated, and in union with Christ. How do we make on a daily basis godly decisions? Amen? (laughs) So now we all know how to be a Christian. We know that because Paul told us how to do that and we are all Christians. So the issue now is how do we become the Christian we are? did you understand what how do we become the christians that will be made to become how do we leave that out because paul makes it clear from ephesians chapter four chapter five and chapter six that our salvation or our walk will be will be will be played out in five major areas five major areas number one our relationship with our neighbors Number two, our relationship with other believers. Number three, our relationship with our spouses. Number four, our relationship with our children. And number five, our relationship in the marketplace or the workplace. Five major areas. Anybody that's alive, you're functioning in one of those five areas. And so Paul says, this is the laboratory. This is the place you will live out your union. And all of us recognize that when you are living around people, dealing with people, uh, uh, interacting with people, there are always going to be room for irritation, friction, annoyance, offenses, and on and on and on and on on it goes. Amen? But Paul wants to help us. I mean, the scripture is very, very, very clear on how to, um, to really. Uh, live through all of that. So let's go first of all to first scripture tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And again, I just want to, I want us to talk for a moment how to make godly choices. First Thessalonians chapter 5. No help tonight? Okay, good. Verse 24. Well, actually let me read from verse 23. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. He said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and make your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24. He who calls you is faithful and, I mean rather, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So in verse 23 it tells us about being sanctified, holy, spirit, soul, and body. But it tells us who's going to do it. It so says he himself. God himself will do it. And then verse 24 says he who calls you, Who has called us tonight? Who called us? Just one answer. My goodness. Are you guys that tired? (laughs) Who's called us? God. So the Bible says, he who's called you is faithful. It's not talking about me being faithful or you being faithful. But God is faithful. So if he's called you into a particular walk, the Bible is assuring us that he who calls you is faithful and he will also do it. Amen. So we have an assurance that whatever God has called you and I into, be not angry, uh, be not, uh, be not, be not blameless. All the things that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter two, in chapter four, all of those things that seem so such a high benchmark that it's almost impossible. The Bible says, "Who called you to do so? Who called you to live in this particular way?" Why will God order something that you cannot make happen? Yay. God is not going to ask you to do anything that that is not doable. That would be right. wickedness. That's right. So so the Apostle Paul here in First Thessalonians, listen, God is going to sanctify you wholly in your spirit, in your soul, in your body. And in verse 24, it says, he who calls you is faithful. he will also do it. So that's the first assurance we have tonight. That God is faithful, He's gonna do whatever He says He's gonna do. So all of the things Paul is asking me, you and I to do as a result of our union and position in Christ are doable, not because we were accomplishing in our own might effort or strength, but because it's God that's doing it in and through us. Now, let's go a little further. So there's a guy who's living work. This is an illustration. He just gets up from work and he's driving. He's driving home, he gets to an intersection. He could make a right turn or a left turn. Well, if he takes a right turn, he takes him to his old familiar ground, a pub, where he can get a happy hour, look at a woman that's, what do you call those women? That's a a strip bar, happy hour in the strip bar, and blah, 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 blah. This is the things he used to do before Christ. He's not a believer. He's driving home, but as he gets to that intersection, he remembers that place, oh man, what about the name of the place, is there. I mean, I, you know, may, maybe tonight I can just go spend 30 minutes. Of so he's going through these thoughts. If he makes a right turn, he goes back to where he used to be. Do the things he used to do. Be with those he used to be with. But if he takes a left turn, he takes him right home to his loving, waiting wife and children. And here he is at this stoplight. Trying to make a decision. What shall I do? Now, the scripture comes to his mind, Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Let's go read it. Romans 6, 13. Thank you. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So because he's a believer, he's been to a few Sunday schools, he's, done, he's been to Dr. Anupia's grace of reality, he remembers this scripture. He's already at the stoplight and the scripture comes to his mind. Bank, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Very apt and accurate scripture for that moment. So my question to you tonight is, will this scripture save him? Let's open the discussion. So now, so, so, so this guy has, a, he, he needs to make a choice. Because remember when you got born again, the things you used to do didn't just become, uh, well, how's the word? If you used to drink beer, beer is not all of a sudden distasteful well anymore. You still, you, still, you still remember the taste. Things is the taste good if you used to take scotch or whiskey, whatever it is you used to do, all of a sudden it doesn't become ah man, I, I, I love this. No, you choose not to do it, not because the taste is bad in your mouth, but because you just know not to do so. If you're six feet tall, you don't become four feet because you got born again. None of those physical things change, amen. So the question is, because I know the scripture and I'm at the intersection, and I'm struggling with this decision, now it could be anything, maybe it's not a bar, maybe it's anger, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's a disagreement with your spouse, maybe it's something to do do with your child, but you understand that you have a choice to make in the matter, and the scripture comes to your mind. Mm. I'm asking you tonight, Will the scripture save you? Come on, talk. Talk to me. This is a live group. We talk. If you think the scripture will save you, tell me why. And if you think it will not save you, let me know why it will not save you. That's the word of God. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness of God.
1: Any takers? I I, I don't think the Bible quotations (laughs) uh, because I've seen many people that quote a whole (laughs) bunch of it and that doesn't even change them. Everything comes from the heart. Uh, If you get it right and your heart is right. Um, you know the teaching was telling us for God to abide in us as well as we abide in Him. Yeah. So I, I think it takes those kind of uh, position. <laughs> you have to take a position and say I'm better than this. Um, most of us still struggle with some things. Sure,
0: um, absolutely.
1: I have friends that I would dare not go around them because they still live in the world, but they are my friends. Yeah. And when they call me, oh, I'm in town. Do you want to hang out with me? I know where they're hanging out. So <laughs> I say, you know, uh, when you finish, just stop by my house. So I made, I made that choice. So I know that if I go there, the temptation is there. Yeah. So I, do, I would probably prefer not to be tempted. So you flee, you prefer it. to
0: yes. flee? Yes. Amen. Good. All right. Anybody else? It's good. It's just on, uh,
1: on Yeah, I think when the scripture comes to you, it is the Holy Spirit that is reminding you. And so what you need to do is you can agree with the Holy Spirit, accept that word, and yield to it, and then go home. Or you <laughs> can choose to disobey the Holy Spirit and go your own way.
0: Amen. That's right. That's right. Good. That's a very good answer. Both of you guys are good. But That's a very good answer. So what, what, what I want to focus on tonight is making those godly choices. Jesus said in John 5, 39, he said, you search the scriptures. He said, for in it you think you have eternal life. He said, but at best, the scriptures testify of me. The scriptures are a pointer to him. But our deliverance, our salvation, our victory is only in one person, Jesus. Very, very, very important. Again, I go back to the scripture on Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Give that to me, please. It talks about how when we were enemies to God in his death, Jesus' death, we were reconciled back to God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The only thing that saves us from the dominion and the power of sin is his life. Now, the scripture we quoted, Romans 6.13, is good, and all the scriptures, they are they are a jump start. Like Sister O-O-O-O says, it reminds you, it brings, it helps you, it quickens you. Hey, bank, hmm, you are better than this. But that quickening alone. Just the remembrance of that alone, it gives me a lot that this, what you are about to say or do, mm, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not who you are. But to now really receive the power to overcome my, my, my flesh in that situation, my carnal appetite or whatever it is I'm, I'm about to embark on, I need to go a step further. And that's what Paul is talking about here. We've been reconciled. But there's a much more that's available to us. Amen? So that much more. Once the scripture comes to my heart, I understand that mm, this is not a good proposition because we know that even though you you remember the scripture like you just said, there are many people that know the scripture and they are quoting the scripture as they are doing that sin. Yeah, because you're going through a struggle. On the one hand, your flesh is overtaking you. On the other hand, your mind is telling you, ah, God understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what needs to happen, what I'm finding out that works, is being able at this point to invoke the power of Jesus' life and presence in that moment. How do you think you do that? <laughs> it's not deep. Yes.
2: I believe we can do that only through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says that the letter kill it, but the Spirit give its life. So as even though the word is there to remind us what we should or should not do, similar to the law, but it's not the law that brings us to that successful living in Christ, but it's provoking the Holy Spirit to live Christ through us. So yeah. I would, at that moment, you know, even though I may quote a scripture, I just ask the help of the Holy Spirit to help me to accomplish that what I need to do because I can't do it on my own.
0: Correct. So <clears throat> so so you're right. So at that point of decision making, I'm gonna pray. But the prayer will be very specific. I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge what I know Jesus has done. I'm gonna say, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives in me. What is that doing? I'm acknowledging that this spirit lives inside of me. I'm going to, say to this, I'm going to say to Jesus, I thank you that you have overcome the flesh when you went to Calvary. You did it, I couldn't do it. You've done it. And so now, in this moment, whatever the situation is, I'm asking for your power and your presence to manifest the victory that you already had on the cross in this matter. Now, I cannot give the exact words because this, this, this is not a cookie cutter. Yeah. And we're not trying to get under the law to just give you a formula. But I'm talking about a dialogue. A real dialogue. Okay, let, let, let me read what I, what I wrote down. Let me read it out. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. For he alone can make this really my experience. Modify the deeds of my body, which have their origin in Satan. I'm willing for you to invade my soul, control my mind, control my emotions, and control my will, so that every decision within my soul will be in perfect harmony with my spirit, and my spirit in perfect harmony with you, so that my whole being may declare your praise. Because at the end of the day, what what, what do you want to do? You want to declare his praise. Lord Jesus, I can't, but you can. And thank you so much. The scripture prompted you. But now you close that deal with a very simple, short prayer. Now, that prayer will take different forms. Again, please, don't don't try to memorize this. You see, I could not even repeat it again. (laughs) That's how crazy it is. But the idea here is to recognize who lives in you. And what he who lives in you is able or capable or is living in you to do. The goal, the reason he lives in us is to live his life through us. Yeah. In fact, we are the borrowed suits that he's wearing. That's, That's the best way to describe it. So in any situation, every given situation, I'm telling you, the more, so, so now, if we, if we do this, just think, based on your day, what your day looks like. How many times a day would you have to pray a prayer like that? Once, twice, ten times? Many, many times! In a one day! And the point here is, the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature to you. The more you do it, the more it becomes your default. The more you do it, before you jump and do this or do that or say this and say that which you regret later oh my god I shouldn't have said that why did I say that that is so dumb before you after a while practicing this you, it just becomes like default because now you are in tune with the holy because you have invoked him invited him spoke to him so many times during the day every day now it becomes a lifestyle and the amazing thing is it works It works, this is where victory is. Because all of us have to to make decisions every day, choices every day, and when you make the wrong choice, you feel bad. They may say, "Mm mm-hmm, I got you. Condemnation, guilt, shame, but when you make the right one, you feel edified, because now you're more like your father, more like what Jesus had in store, amen? Any questions? Sure.
1: Well, Colossians three.
0: Oh, wow. That's a have here. I didn't read it. Verses 9 and 10?
1: No, from 1 to 3. Okay. Check. <laughs> a, um, talking about not yes. allowing our mind to be ruled by our five senses. Yes. He said, if then you were re- raised with Christ, mm-hmm. seek those things which are above mm-hmm. where Christ is sit- sitting at the right hand of God. Yes. Set your mind on things above and not on things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden yes. with Christ in God. Amen. Amen. So, again, the scripture, that,
0: that's a powerful scripture. It talks about how our mind should just stay on the things above. But how do you do that? So, that's the point. Many of us know most of the scriptures. The issue is, how do we bring this lofty, wonderful, powerful, beautiful scriptures alive on a daily basis? God forbid, the day your child comes home from school and makes a D. And you're saying, man, I've paid school fees, I'm tired. I mean, what do you do? How do you deal with that without blowing your fuse? Your husband, your wife does something that irritates you. How do you deal with that? Because this is the laboratory where Christianity is distinguished from any other religion. It's not the scriptures we quote. It's the life we live and demonstrate. Or rather, should I say, the life he lives through us. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to live through us. But because he's a perfect gentleman, he will not force himself to do it. He said, I stand at the door and knock. Are you going to allow me to do what I I can, I'm the only one I can do? So we have to yield. And the yielding begins when we make that quality decision that we're going to invite him. We're going to ask him. I mean, Paul said it so beautiful in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So what, what is he living in us for? As is it just a decoration? Christ lives in me. For what? For what reason? The only reason he lives in us is so he can he can live his life through us. He gave himself for us so he can give himself to us. Beautiful illustration is that of a lamp. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen those lamps that you have to have oil in them to to burn. A lamp without an oil is useless. Just a piece of decoration. It cannot give any light to anything because there's no oil in it. But once you put oil in that lamp, it starts burning. The oil starts to burn. Now watch this. When the oil burns in that lamp, is the lamp doing anything? Is the lamp doing anything while the light is burning that it did not do without the light burning? Nothing. Nothing. The lamp is not doing jack. It's just there as a vessel to contain the oil and the oil burns without doing any more on its part as a lamp. So you and I are that vessel, that vessel through which God wants to burn. is the oil that burns through us. Just like a car that needs a gasoline to run. You have a beautiful Maserati, you can't drive it because there's no gas in it. You can admire the beauty all you want. Nice car, nice tires, nice wheel, good. It's not going to move, why? There's no gas. But as soon as you put gas in that car, it's ready to haul. It's ready to move. Amen? Because you need gasoline. So, as humans, what God did after Adam died, um, yes, Adam fell. Well, he actually died, but if you he fell, he's see the after he died. God simply put himself back in mind. Mind, apart from God, is so t- totally, completely abnormal. Yeah. Mind, apart from God, is abnormal. Why? Because that mind cannot do what God created him to do, apart from God living inside of him. So it takes God coming back inside of mind to make man normal again. Amen. Amen. Any other questions? Bless you. Making godly decisions or godly choices. Dr. Naufik, anything you want to add to that? Give me the mic. You
2: know, we are always at a point where we have to make a choice whether we are to work according to the flesh Or according to the spirit and situations that we face daily I mean moment by moment we always have to make that choice and God has already given us the power to make the right choice because he says I think in Philippians he says he's the one who is at work in us yep both to will and to do even of his own good pleasures yep so we need to be reminded of that always always I like the, um, the, you know, the Colossians one that brother referred to, yeah. which in, I think in verse four, it says that Christ is our life. Yeah. Christ is my life. Yeah. And I think that has been a scripture that I always bring to mind every time, moment by moment, to remind myself that Christ is my life. Absolutely. Christ is my life. Yes. And so, any decision that I want to make, it is Christ doing it through me.
0: Absolutely,
2: it is Christ doing it through me. Correct. The the uh, statement that you made that that Christ gave Himself for us. Yes. In order to give Himself to us. Correct. In order that He might live His life through Through us. us. Correct. That is why He came to live His life. Through us. Yes. And so, how do I allow him to live his life through me? It is by yielding, it is by surrendering. Moment by moment, there has to be that surrender. Yeah. And without the surrendering, I could argue with him all the time, but there has to be that surrender where I say, Lord, I want your life to be expressed through me in this. Correct. I cannot love that person. Yes but I'm going to yield myself to you so that you love him through me. Correct. And that is the way I think that we can experience his life moment Correct. by moment. Correct. Um, and that is the victory that we have.
0: That's the victory that we have. Victory. That's the victory. You have something, sir? Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. That's the victory we have. And so really, without understanding, without understanding, the confessions we make and our prayer life, should it not be radically changed? Because mm. that's where the victory is. Mm. Because if you are not seated, which really, to, 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 to bring that into contemporary uh, layman's language, being seated is having confidence in the, in, in the, in the love of God for you, the plan of God for you and being secured in everything God says about you and not moving from that position. Being confident. That's one of the reasons for which David was such a lover of God. He was absolutely confident of God's love for him. Yeah. Because what I know the enemy seeks to do is to move us from that position of rest or sitting by causing us to worry, being anxiety fretting, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is God not going to show up? Is it not? Once, once it gets you there, it doesn't have to do anything else. Because in the atmosphere of worrying and anxiety and fretting, you're already wide open. Yeah. But when you are packed in that position, come what may, it doesn't matter what happens. That's what we saw in the book of Daniel with the three Hebrew boys. They were at rest. Our God is able to deliver us. But if He doesn't, doesn't matter. They were resolved. Amen? Good. So really, I just don't want us to go through these lessons and then go back and keep on doing the same thing we've been doing. This has to bring us to a place of radical shift. And once you get a radical shift, it's going to affect you in one major area. You are not going to keep on listening to the kind of messages you listen to. You're not going to keep on reading the same kind of books you used to read. Now, I don't want to legislate anything because that's not my place. But I'm not telling you. Jesus said, take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear. You cannot be listening to mixture and grow in grace. So you need to guard what God has given you and nurture it and grow in it. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Uh, I I was, uh, and we're going to pray and and go home in a minute. I was talking to a friend of mine, 1st of January, and I had a young person that's in their church that they're trying to disciple. And as we conversed, he said to me, I'm going to give him this book by Derek Prince. And you must understand, I related very closely to Derek Prince when he was alive. And actually had some rights to print some of his books in Nigeria back then. So when he said that, and there Prince is a said, master teacher, master, I understand, speaks Hebrew perfectly, and uh, great teacher. But I also recognize that those men lived based on the light that they had. And while, I don't know why I'm going on this in tangent, but the point I'm making is this. The person that's being given that book, they are not going to grow in grace. It's not possible. Because nobody can give what they don't have. That's why I told you guys last week, the book I wrote on the house that God built on the tabernacle, don't read it. (laughs) Because, Because I gave you seven steps on how to get to God. Seven steps. When there's only one step. Okay, so that revelation is old. It has expired. That's what I'm saying to you. (laughs) That's what I'm saying to you. Now, does that mean you you may not get some benefit out of it? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying to you, there's no need going through that route when you have a more clearer, shorter way. Amen? So watch what you hear. Watch what you hear. And change, let God help you to change the way you pray. Read the Pauline Epistles that's the current prayer for today amen, amen. praise god any other questions well uh, yes 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 my friend all the way in the back next to brown one thank you uh, praise the lord mm-hmm. this uh two twenty. yeah
1: this portion of it has said and the life which I now live in flesh mm-hmm. is is uh, is talking of
0: present physically physical yes,
1: and he is is talking assuredly yes because he know the
0: life he live in flesh correct in in
1: this. Johnny, at at what point (laughs) can we make this uh, declaration?
0: Okay, very good, very very good. (laughs) That's a very good one. You understand this point? At what point do you get to the point where you can make that confident statement that that well, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. Not I that live, Christ lives with me, da, da 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 but the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son. When can you make that? When, when can you say that? At what point? There's no formula. You will know yourself. Yeah. You will know when you get there. <laughs> so I cannot give you a, a formula, three steps to have any assurance. <laughs> you will know by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will know because of the things that's, that God, the victories that Christ has wrought in your life on a consistent basis. Were you gonna say something? Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) If if you if you understand that you were saved by grace. Yes. Through faith. Yes. I think that declaration should be made right from the onset. From the onset, yes. Because the life that you are going to live is by faith. Yes. Faith in the Son of God. Yes. However. We go through a period of growth. Yes. All of us. You go through a period of growth. You know, you go from infancy to adolescence to, you know, to adulthood, maturity. And so um, that should be the foundation, that statement should be the foundation of a Christian experience that our Christian life is lived by faith. Um, it might take some time for us to come to that understanding, but is that that is the basis yeah. for
0: a Christian uh, experience yeah what you're saying is true, but I think what, I think I hear what he's trying to say. what you're saying is correct that should be the fundamental everybody should claim that but there's, but, but the way he said it I'm thinking that Paul I'm thinking that he's saying that Paul Woke up one day and said, Today, Wednesday, January, what's the day's date? 16th. I can tell you that the life that I live in the flesh today, not just today, the life I live today, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gives what you said is true, but I'm also thinking in this journey, even though we claim that scripture by faith, there is a day and time when that faith manifests, we can now say, Yes god has really done it i have it in my back pocket It's real yeah. there are some battles we're still fighting now and in time we we, we the victory manifests, and you know that battle is no longer a temptation
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. you have come. yes pastor Tosin. Yeah. and then we can just pray and go
1: home I, i'm almost leaning with um dr norfield here sure, pastor, sure. because you yourself asserted a scripture during
0: the week last time, last week yes. when Paul said, not that I have apprehended. Correct, attained. It's yes. attained, but this is one thing I do. Yes. So I think really it's from the onset. And like you said, there are some things you keep confessing, eventually you catch up with it. Correct. So if I look at that Paul statement, yeah. I'm not sure that he had arrived, but he was convinced though. He had gotten to a place where his confidence level was that, that he knows that on a daily basis, he knows that this life I live, I live now by the faith of the Son of God. Living a life by the faith of the Son of God, absolutely is, I mean, it's fundamental. Because we start living a life by the faith of God from day one, that's correct. But I think, yeah, that's the excuse from last week. But I think I'm I'm looking at both, I'm I'm, I'm agreeing with both, really. I think that foundational thing is correct, no doubt about it. But there's yet a time, actually, like we said, we go through phases in our development. There there are certain, okay, there are certain things that will get me ruffled two years ago, we won't do it now. So in that area, I've attained. There are certain things I struggled with five years ago,